said that we are going to, uh, we started a new uh, topic. Um, we're going through what we've called uh, kingdom culture. We're looking at a, a culture in a place that will uh, mean that when God sees it, he thinks this is a wonderful place. This is a place where I can come and I can make my home. Um, it's a place where I feel at home. I feel that I can stay and be part of it. I don't want to uh, belittle the way God looks at it. God's with us all the time. But actually, he's looking for churches that are built on a place where the Holy Spirit is very, very welcome. And, uh, and are people that are open to everything that God wants. And so that's what we're looking at. This is the, the purpose of, of the studies we're going through. And, uh, and this uh, next mini-series is called Grace and Empowerment. And... Uh, in essence, what it's about is to look at how grace, the whole concept of grace, the goodness of God, the love of God, the, the mercy of God, the grace of God, his undeserved favour, is what is behind everything that we do. And um, so just to sort of set up a, 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 a scene on that, if we turn to Titus, chapter 2, it's a relatively well-known verse, it's a verse we use... <coughs> For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us uh, from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. This passage talks about how it is grace, the undeserved favour of God, that results in a life of freedom from sin and a life that moves into everything that God has for him. Works uh, and, and, uh, and things in our lives that God has prepared for us to do, the good works that prepared for us to do. So it t- talks about eager to do what is good, and teaching us to say no to things that are wrong. And the Bible says that's all about grace. Now, we know, if we've been part of a church for a little while, we could be able to tell you how you are saved. The Bible says that we're saved by grace. In Ephesians it talks about being saved through the death, the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. It's not by works. Um, it's by faith, and by faith in him alone. We don't have to earn it. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that we go through. But the problem can be is that we can accept that, and then when we come to know Christ, and Colin was talking about this last week, we can then say, actually, but of course the Christian life, Christian life have all these rules that we have to follow. And we spend our time trying to line up with these rules. 
Rules like, oh well, you know, we've got to stop sinning. Uh, we've got to, uh, we've got to do good things. We've got to come to church on a Sunday. Uh, we've got to pray. And suddenly we can turn what was wonderful grace into a set of things that we do. And, uh, and we can line, up our, line our lives up with those and say, okay, let's think about this week. Um, okay, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Oh, that's, I've done well this week. I did this, shouldn't have done that, but okay. And, uh, and so we, we, we can take pride in the fact that we've, we've met all these rules. And then we look at this and, oh, oh dear, oh, I didn't mess that one up, didn't I? Oh. And we feel condemned when we've messed this one up. And likewise, we can look at other people and say, well, they're, they're doing well. Oh, they're coming every Sunday. That's good. And, uh, oh, they, they, she brought prophecy. Oh, hey, that's good. Oh, oh, this one, oh, she, they've, missed, they've missed two Sundays. Or oh, a black mark. And, and we can start judging people by rules. Rules that, that we make up, and we think, well, okay, yeah, and, and, and we, we can sort of align ourselves. Where am I on the, on the pecking order? How well do I meet these rules? How good am I? Well, I'm, I'm better than this person over here, so I'm, I'm, I'm up here. I'm, I'm all right. I'm not quite as good as, uh, as Jamie. I'm not quite as good as Jamie, but, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm all right. I'm not sure I can get above Jamie, but, you know. And we can do that. We can line ourselves with the rules. And, um, and we can feel pleased with ourselves, or we can feel condemned based on how we've done that week. And, and that's not what the Bible asks us to do. You see, one of the things that, that I've always struggled with this verse, as, as a Christian, on the understanding of how does grace teach me to say no? You see, rules teach me to say no. That's, that's what we think. Rules teach me to say no. If it says to don't get drunk, that's a rule. And that rule says if I don't get drunk, I'm alright. I've obeyed the rule. So I know that that's, that's what I need to do. If it says uh, don't get angry, the Bible says don't get angry, okay. So that's teaching me to say no to anger. And so I need these rules to teach me to say no. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says no grace teaches us to say no. Not the rules. And, uh, and so what I want to explore today is how does grace do that? Now it's been said, with some justification, that the Bible is a love story. About God's love for us how he has planned salvation, how he has planned everything so that we could be brought back to him. So it's God's love for us. But actually that's only half the story. Because it's a love story. That is true. But actually that wasn't wholly what God had in mind. Yes, he, he, he did love us. But the reason was is he, he wanted us to come back into a relationship with him so that the love was two ways. That there was a relationship, not based on, I'm going to love you and you obey the rules. No, no. I'm going to love you and you're going to love me. Because in the end, that's what relationships are about. Mutual love between two people or between parties. That's what true relationships are based on. Not, I'm going to love you and then you, you obey the rules. 
So, if you uh, think about this as a typical relationship, um, when you when you get married or, or get to uh, to be with someone for a little while, you find out what they like, what they enjoy, and um, if you if you love the person, you'll you'll start to do it. So, um, for instance, I've uh, learnt that uh, my wife uh, appreciates having flowers bought for her every now and again. It's quite reasonable. And um, Now, what we could have done when we got married, or when we started going out, we could have said, OK, right, I'm going to draw up a list of the way our relationship works. And I could draw up, actually, my wife likes flowers brought for her. So what I'm going to do every second Thursday, I'm going to go to the shops, and I'm going to turn up on the door and with a bunch of flowers. And I'm going to say to her, according to the rules of our relationship, I have brought you some flowers. <laughs> now, I think, I may be wrong, I haven't tried this, but I don't think she would appreciate that. I'm, I'm fairly certain she wouldn't. Because I'm, I'm obeying the rule, I'm doing what I should do. I've, I've, done, I've, you know, I've, I've fulfilled. But actually, no, that's not what it's about, is it? What, what she wants is, is for me to spontaneously come home with the flowers, just to say, thank you for being my wife. Which is quite a trial, I realise. And, um, and, uh, and I just appreciate you, and I love you, and here are some flowers. That is a completely different... I'm doing the same thing. I'm buying flowers. One is fulfilling the rules. It doesn't really do anything. One is a spontaneous act out of love. And so we start to see here that actually this is what God is after. This is, this is if, you, if you try to see this, is the way God is, wants to look at this. God isn't interested in us coming to him at the end of the week and saying, God, look, look I've, I've met all these rules this week. Aren't you happy? God's saying, that's not really what I was after. God is seeking a relationship with us based on love. Not on rules. And the way he does that is that he wins us by his grace. He wins us by his grace. Why the Bible goes on and on about the grace and the mercy and the love of God is this. God wants you to know how much he is utterly committed to you. How much he loves you. How much he cares for you. How much he's done for you. He wants you to know that it's because he loves you. He didn't do it because, oh, well, there's some, some other higher power that told him to do it because there's a rule that God has to. God didn't have to do it. God didn't have to do it. He wasn't following a set of rules that he was given. He did it because he wanted to do it. He came and lavished grace on us because he wanted to. And so... God, in, in the Bible, outlines so often the grace that he's poured out on us. So that out of our, our response to that is, wow, yeah, I'm going to love you, God. I just love you. Thank you. And I just love you for it. And that's what he's looking for. Not a case of, God, thank you for your grace. And, and this week I've met all this. I didn't do this. I'm so sorry. I feel really bad about this. But I did do this. And, you know, hopefully that's okay. It's not what it's about.
So what unwritten rules might we have? Well, we've talked about some. Turning up on Sunday. Giving. Money. Christians give money, so I ought to give some money. Oh, uh, Christians serve in the church. I ought to serve in the church. I've got to love my fellow Christians. Oh, that's a difficult one. But that's what the God says, so I better do it. No, no. All these, all these must and should come, not because it's a rule, but because of a response to the grace and the mercy and the love of God. In John 17, verse 3, it says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's about a relationship. It's about knowing God. It's not about rules. It's not about fulfilling a set of criteria. It's about a loving relationship through which things come. When we really appreciate the grace of God, when we really understand just how much God loves us and what he's done for us, our only response is to love him back. That's what happens. It's interesting, I was recently speaking to someone and he said something which I found a bit, I I had to think about for a bit. He says, he said to me, he said, we need to know God as our enemy before we really know him as a friend. We need to know God as our enemy before we really know him as our friend. I, th- I thought that, I, d- I don't really understand that. And then I thought about it for a minute, and I thought, actually, that's true. You see, when we were born, when we were not born again, <coughs> we were enemies of God, the Bible tells us. We were far from him. We were full of sin. We were clothed in unrighteousness. And a, what's more, we were powerless to do anything about it. We were utterly far away from God. God's anger, God's wrath was on us, the Bible tells us in Ephesians. We were objects of God's wrath. Those that aren't Christians are in that state. It's a difficult one to come to terms with, but that's what the Bible tells us. And all of us were there once, facing eternal anger and wrath of God. Now, that's difficult to comprehend, but that's what the Bible says. We were far away, and we were helpless We could do nothing about it. But then God breaks in through Jesus Christ. God sends Jesus down as a perfect sacrifice. And he says, right, everything that you did wrong, all the thing that covers you, makes you unworthy, I'm taking it and putting it on Jesus. And now you become completely pure and spotless. I've taken it all away. You did nothing. You did absolutely nothing. And now, you're spotless. You're my friend now. You can come close to me. I love you. You can, you can experience all the good things I've got for you. And when we, when we appreciate that, when we understand what God has done, the response is, wow. God, thank you. I love you. I love you. I, I just, I just want to do what, what do you want me to do? I, that's, that's response. And so it's so important that we understand where we were and where we come from to see the great depths of the grace of God that's been poured upon our lives. But that's not, also, there's a, there's a, 
there's a, sometimes we can fall into the trap of, well, because God has done this for me, I need to do something for God. I need to try and somehow repay that. You know, so if, if I do this and I do that, in some way, or, you know, he's done all this for me, if I just start, you know, doing some good things and I can build up and balance it out, that's, that's not it. We're not trying to, we'll never balance that out. And God's not looking to us. He's not saying, okay, look what I've done for you now, isn't it time you did something for me? That's not how it works. That's not how it works. It's saying, actually, I've, I've cleared the slate, let's just, let's just have fun together. Let's just enjoy this relationship. Let's just find out where we're going. I've got some good things for you to do. You're going to love this. Actually, actually, yeah, you, you want to get rid of that stuff because it's, it's going to spoil. So let's just, let's just go on. And so this is what God is after. Heart-to-heart relationship with him and just finding out what he's got for us. And in that, we think, well, I'm not going to be bothered with this anymore. This is just getting in the way. This, this thing that I used to do, well, forget that. That's just going to spoil things. So it's not, oh, I've got this rule, I won't do it anymore. It's a case of grace says, I just don't want it anymore. Because it spoils. Do you see where we're going with this? It's so important that we understand that actually what God is after is our hearts. And that's what he spent, That's what he saw in David. He saw in David, in the Old Testament, not a perfect guy. He kept making a few mistakes. What he saw is a heart. He said, David's a man after my own heart. His, his heart is like mine. He loves like I love. I, I, I love that. That's, you know, he's, not, he's not about rules. David broke some rules and God didn't care in many ways because he, he ate the bread that um, Colin referred to this last week. God said, well, I know there was, yeah, that was, but listen, listen his heart, his heart's right. There was another encounter that Jesus had uh, with the rich young ruler. It's in Mark chapter 10. Um, and it's about a man who, who was genuine. He was a genuine guy that wanted to know what he needed to do to be saved. What, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said. So if we just read it through. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. A good teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. This is Mark 10, 17 and 18. <coughs> no one is good except God alone. Now, this is, Jesus is interesting here. He said, do you know the commandments? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. It's interesting, Jesus is quoting the commandments here. And the guy is probably thinking, yes, Yes. Ah, brilliant. I can do this. I've kept those rules. So he says, yeah, yes, these I've kept since I was a boy. I'm there. And Jesus said, hmm, okay. This, this. What, I think, what I love about it, Jesus said he loved him. He, said, he could see something genuine, see something sort of there. He just, he just thought, you've, you've missed it though, haven't you, mate? You've missed it. Because he says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. So straight through this, Jesus. The rules, I can see what you're doing, yeah, but you've missed it. I'm looking at your heart. 
I'm looking at your heart. That's what I'm interested in. To be honest, had you broken some of those rules, I wouldn't actually be that bothered. Because I'm, I'm interested in your heart. We can, we can deal with that. We can deal with breaking those rules. What I can't deal with is a heart that's not for me. And so he, he went to, to the business and says, actually, it's your money, isn't it? You love your money. Don't love me. There's no heart relationship there. And so the man went away sad. Because he did. He loved his money. And, and Jesus was going to the heart. There's actually, what, what matters is, is your relationship. This is why he put up with the disciples so much. Because what he saw in most of them was that he developed with them a relationship of love. So when they messed up, oh, it's not the end. When Peter messed up, it's not the end. He went back to Peter. What was he going to ask? Peter, are you going to keep the rules from now on? You broke this rule. Come on, come on, try harder. No, no, it wasn't that, was it? Peter, do you love me? That's, that was the, the question he asked. Not, are you going to keep these rules? And so there was a response. Peter's response was from the heart. Yeah, yeah, I love you. Oh, great. I've got so much for you. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. I've got so much for you, Peter. Because you've got the relationship. You understand what it's about. It's not about keeping the rules. Yeah, you've broken a fruit, and you'll break a few more. But listen, listen, I want, my, I want your heart. I want to know the grace of God spread all over you, and then you just respond, thank you, Lord, I love you. And that's really what grace comes to show us. Let's get rid of, not, the, not that the rules don't matter. No, no, I don't want to, you know, it, we're not looking here for a place where anything goes. Doesn't matter what you do, as long as you express some love for Jesus. No. Reality is, if we truly love Jesus, those things will move away. They'll lessen. And there's a way we can move on in this. Because it doesn't happen overnight. We have to change the way we think. At work, I uh, get involved in people, contractors, people who we've hired to do a job. And uh, typically, we, uh, we have a contract in place that says, we will pay you this much, and you will do this. Typical contract, that's how the world works. Go to a shop, I give you some money, you'll give me something. It's often how relationships can work as well. I've done all this for you, dear. Isn't it time you did this for me? That's not a good relationship, but they can work that way. And so we live in this world. We live in this world that says, okay, you've done this for me, I'll do this for you. And my job sometimes is to try and persuade uh, the company to do more than they said they would without paying them any more. That's one of my... Wonderful chores. It's not easy. Uh, and there's normally a bit of bartering that goes on, like, okay, all right, you don't want to do this because it'll cost you money, but okay. see this bit in the contract. If we forget this bit, will you do this? Uh, it's a bit of a compromise. Anyway, and I have to do this. This is the way I work. This is some of the stuff I have to do. That's the contract. We can think that's how it works. Actually, that's not what 
the, the covenant that Jesus has with us, that God has with us. In fact, in, if you like, the Old Testament covenant was a bit like that. If you obey my commands, if you're faithful, if you do this, then I will be your God. I will look after you, I'll defend you, I'll provide for you. So there was a covenant that was equal. One side and the other. Like the contract. You do this, I'll do this. The wonderful news is that the covenant of the New Testament is Jesus, God says, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. The other side is blank. Our responsibility, our requirements have been wiped away. That's wonderful, isn't it? There is a one-sided contract that Jesus, God drew up through Jesus Christ. I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. You, you've got nothing to do. I will try to get a contractor at work to sign a contract like that. You do this, 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 and this, I won't pay you anything. I don't think it's going to work. I'll try. But that's, that's God's, that's God's way. It's wonderful. And when we, when we grasp that, it's, it's, just relieves us from performance. We don't need to perform. But we need to change our thinking, because our thinking is so often, oh yeah, but, but I need to do this. I, I, yeah, otherwise it won't work. I need to do this. Romans 12, verse 2, we've referred to this, I think Colin referred to it again, it's an important verse in this. It says there, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. The pattern of this world is you do something, I'll do something. To get something, you have to follow the rules. To do this, you have to line up. That's the pattern of the world. That's how the world works. It's the way it operates. We need our minds transformed to say, actually, that's not how it works. We receive grace. And we receive more grace. And we receive grace. And we receive more grace. And we respond because of the wonderful grace of God. We don't say, well, I've met this. Because God's not interested in that. He doesn't want a relationship that's by the rules. Like my wife doesn't want a relationship that's by a set of rules. That's not a relationship. He wants a relationship that's out of grace and love. And so our minds need to change. We need to be thinking differently. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's, this theme is mentioned elsewhere in uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10. We have to, in verse 9 says, we put off the old self, we put on the new self. Have you got that? Colossians 2.10 <coughs> Have I got that wrong? Okay, forget that. Oh, Colossians 3.10, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. The Bible talks about putting off and we put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of the creator. There is a process going on here. 
Our mind are being transformed. They're being renewed. And Ephesians 4, verse 22, verse 24, says very similar things. You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by secret desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. See the process there? To be made. It's an ongoing process. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, in the end... When we sin, the issue is not, oh, I've got it wrong, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to, I've got it wrong, I'm going to change, I'm going to do better, I'm going to grit my teeth, I'm going to get it right. That may work for a time. It won't last. Sin is powerful. What needs to change is the way we think. What in me leads me to do this knowing the grace of God? Knowing what God has done for me, what has what is there broken in that relationship with God that leads me to keep doing this? What is wrong in my thinking? Why do I think that doing this is a good thing? When I know it displeases God, when I know it's not something he wants me to do. So suddenly we change from, I need my mind renewed, or we change to, I need my mind renewed from, I just need to try harder. And so overcoming sin then, is much more about my mind's role in this matter. I need it transformed, I need to think differently. I need to think, I need to experience more of the grace and the love of God, because then that will lead me not to do this. Do you see the difference? Yeah. The rules are powerless. The rules just, you know, our own effort won't change anything. But actually, you know, when we're stuck with something, actually there's something wrong in our thinking. Our mind is saying to us, if you're doing something wrong or you're not doing something you should do, our mind is saying, this is a good thing to do. If, if our mind told us, actually don't do this, I don't want to do it, it's bad, we wouldn't do it. Our beliefs, our thinking, directly affect how we behave. I'm sure we'd all agree with that. The way we think, the way we we process things, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about God, directly directly affects how we behave. And so, to stop sinning, or to do something that God has called us to do, or whatever it is, it's about changing the way we think. It's about having our minds renewed. And the Bible repeats it. Get your mind renewed. Get your ideas changed. Put off this old way of thinking. Put on the new way of thinking. So how do we do that? How do we get our minds renewed? How do we change? Well, the first thing is, is that when you're locked in something, you know you're doing something you shouldn't do, or... You know, you're stuck with, I I know I should be doing this, but I don't want to, and I'm struggling with it. The first thing we should do is think, what is is my mind thinking? Why am I thinking this? Not, I need to try hard, I just need to do it. What am I thinking? And then we come to God and say, God, my mind is thinking wrong things about this. Your word says do this. I'm doing this. 
And trying hard has not worked. So I need to think, actually, you need to change my thoughts. You need to change what I'm thinking about. You need to change what I believe about this. And so we come to God and we open and say, Lord, I want to be all you've called me to be, but I'm struggling in this area. Change my thinking. Change my thinking. Renew my mind. There's ways we can do that. We can do that by reading the Word of God. That, as we get the truth of the Word of God, it changes the way we think about situations. It changes the way we think about ourselves, how much God loves us, what we're destined for, that we are conquerors, that we are strong in Jesus, that we're royalty. It tells us all these things. And so our mind changes and we have a different way of thinking about it. It tells us all the resources of heaven. It tells us the grace of God that's been abundant to us. There's also just being able to get away and be in the presence of God by his spirit. That is a wonderful way of being transformed as we just dwell. And that, that's just a, a few moments of some of us are very busy lives. It's, it's a case of actually, actually, God, I intentionally want to change the way I think. Lord, come by your spirit and just meet with me in my room, on the bus, wherever it is, wherever you can find time, go for a walk. As we intentionally do that and say, Lord, my mind is, I'm, I'm getting this wrong, I want my mind changed, God's Spirit will come because He gives us those things as we ask Him. This Lent, we're going through a negativity fast. Uh, let me encourage you to get involved with that. Change your thinking about your situation. That's what this is about. Instead of looking at things negatively, when we look at things negatively, it leads to the way we behave. If we believe bad things are going to happen, or bad things, or, or be thinking badly about a situation, that will lead us down a certain path. It might lead us to moan, it might lead us to get angry, it might lead us to, to sin in some way. If we think differently, if we look at God's word and see his perspective, our minds are changed, we don't go down that path anymore. Suddenly we've overcome sin, not by, oh, I try really hard, but just because our minds have changed. We don't get angry anymore. We don't get frustrated anymore, because, well, we've seen it differently. And suddenly sin is dealt with without the, the, the effort and the, you know, the thing. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that we therefore don't get disciplined. If we've got a problem in certain areas, we sometimes need to get discipline in our lives. Um... I don't know, if, if, if we have a problem drinking, uh, we drink too much sometimes, then we perhaps need to put things in place that, that try and avoid, uh, you know, maybe you meet with, with uh, some mates that, that drink a lot and you just get sucked into that. Well, maybe for a time you need to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Until your thinking gets right. You don't avoid non-Christians because of that. But you get your thinking right, you think, I don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> It's not, it's not blessing me, it's not a good, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. When your mind's right, you can go back into that situation and you can be a wonderful example to them. But sometimes you need a bit of discipline in that. So I'm not saying we don't get disciplined in this, but we do change the way we think. We come forward and we're open and honest about it. You see, here we're not about, a, you know, oh, oh, I've got this problem, oh, we, well, we're going to condemn you, we're going to... We're going to pick you up, or we're going to say, look at this person. This is what happens if you let your life get out of control. That's not the biblical way of doing it. We're not bringing condemnation, no. But we do want to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Openness in these things is important. All of us fall. All of us get it wrong. We can stand with each other and encourage one another. 
And so if, if you are struggling in one of those areas, either with something you know God wants you to do and you, you can't do it, or you, or you know you're stuck in something, and you've tried really hard, and you're not getting anywhere, then actually, we want to stand with you in that. We're not here to condemn. We're here to say, actually, come on, we can do this. Just change the way you think about it. None of us are perfect in this area, but what God is after are people that have, have their minds transformed, that receive wonderful grace from him, and then respond in, in that way. So, if you know that affects you, what steps are you going to take? What steps are you going to take to, actually, I need to get my mind changed. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to receive the good things of God. What are you going to do to understand the grace that is applied to your life? Understand, it's not just once in the time. It wasn't just in salvation. Grace is applied day by day. The goodness of God applied to your life. And when you grasp that, to know the love that God has for you and to respond in love. So we need to change our minds. Don't come to God anymore with, well, God, I've, I've met these rules. I think you'll be pleased with me this week. I'm doing my best to get this one right. And then, you know, once I've met all the rules, you're going to be so pleased. That's, that's not what a relationship's about. A relationship is about a response of love that doesn't focus on the rules, it focuses on Him, His goodness, His love, and what He's got for us. He's got wonderful things for us. He wants us to enjoy what He has for us. He wants us to enjoy it. And as we do that, and as our minds are transformed, so these things will fall off and fall away. Can we just stand together? I just want to pray. Yeah, Lord, I just want to thank you for the amazing grace that you pour on us. Thank you that the covenant that you've brought into being through Jesus Christ is completely and totally one-sided. That our responsibility, our requirements, Lord, are zero. Because you did it all. You cleansed us, you brought us close, you washed us clean because you loved us, not because you saw anything good in us. Lord, we were your enemies and now we are your friends. Now we are one with Jesus. Now we are seated in heavenly places. Now we are loved like we've never been loved before for eternity. Lord, it is unending grace that you pour us. It's, it's lavish and it is totally undeserved and totally unstoppable. Thank you, Lord, that it's unstoppable because we're your children. Uh, and it doesn't require me to do anything. Thank you, Lord, that it is so incredibly one-sided. But, Lord, I just pray that, Father, from that, we may just have a response of love and that we may just want to run to you and just live for you. And where we are struggling with things, Lord, I pray, God, that that grace would come. That grace would come and we would just be amazed. But then that grace would come also to change the way we think about our situation. That we may have everything we need, the power we need in our lives to say, no, I don't want to do that anymore. Okay, I'm going to do this because that's what God called me to do. And I want to pray for anybody here that is struggling at the moment with a particular problem that you have battled with and you've not overcome. And I believe God wants to bring to you a change of mind. 
a change of mind, a change of way you believe about yourself and about the situation. That God will show you that actually as you think differently, as you think, as your mind changes to the way you look at what you're doing, as God's Spirit comes and renews your mind, so that desire to do what is shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing will go. And you'll have the strength to say, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I want to live for the King. Yeah, Lord, I just want to pray now, Holy Spirit, that as people are giving stuff to you right now, <coughs> that, Lord, you will come and change their minds, that they are being released from the need to meet the rules, and they will be free just to love you, free to know your grace, free to just be experiencing the love and the goodness of God. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen. If anybody wants just to be prayed with and just share some stuff with us, we're really happy to do that. I would love to be able to help you in that if we can.